Welcome to Black and White, a place where we educate, advocate and amplify Indigenous knowledges, ways of being and thinking. It is an opportunity to bridge the gap and translate between two worlds, initially for educators but more importantly allies and people who want to listen, learn, unlearn and relearn. A place that removes fear and answers those questions one is afraid to ask. Where we walk together on a learning journey. Bayajul Budri Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Iora Noragul Bimal Wayangagul. I speak well of the Yagara people, the people belonging to this country where we record the podcast. I speak well of the old ones, past, present, and the future people. I speak well of my elders, of my ancestors, of the Darug people as well as all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people towards country and Mother Earth. I acknowledge and I recognise all Indigenous people across the world. Welcome back to another episode of Black and White. My name's Nathan. I've got my wife, Tammy, here. Warami, Budjari Bayojunya. Good to speak to you today. How was your week, Tam? Uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, lots and ups and downs. Um, I've had the pleasure of having a working group with one of my clients up in the Arctic Circle of Canada, working with the Indigenous people up there. That was pretty special. Um, we had also some unpleasant news around our language course we've been doing, Darug Dalang, at uh, TAFE New South Wales. So we'll probably speak a little bit about that. Okay. But, um, yeah, what about you? Nini Woodry, you good? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Um, nothing's really particular is happening. I'm just working away as usual before we head off in a couple of months. But, um, yeah, no, all's good. Warm weather here, 25, 26 degrees most days, which has been quite pleasant for winter. Some of our um, listeners may not realise that we're temporarily relocating to Canada for a little bit. Yeah, it should be exciting. I don't think I'll be doing much working for the first little bit when I'm over there. Yeah. Which will be different. But um, yeah, heading over in the beginning of October. Yeah. For a few months and then we'll head back home. Yeah. In between that... Um, and now I'm presenting at the National ISIL conference, which will be fantastic, um, on reconciliation and education. And then I'm also presenting at the World Languages conference, uh, which is an online conference, this one. so. World languages? Mm, through education, um, perfect. Everyone around the world. Yeah, so um, I'm talking about Indigenous languages and uh, ways to help teachers understand and implement uh, respectfully in their area Okay. or their classroom. And that's what you wanted to talk about today, languages? Yeah, I guess um, we as a mob were reminded of um, 
the importance of languages a few years ago when a couple of our trailblazers um, have really spent a lot of time and energy in reawakening our language because it's not lost it, it's still very much there but it certainly doesn't have as many uh, fluent speakers as it once did so they've been doing some some work for some time and um, then we have another community member um, German Anissa who has started some work in the vocational area getting up and running a certificate one and two and um, this week unfortunately we were told even after starting the course that it's cancelled um, for some very political bureaucratic reasons um, yeah of course that's of course that's <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what I'm getting at is you know you don't know the value of something until it's gone or, or you don't have access to it. So how do you know... I'm gathering the language is not written down on a piece of paper or on, inscribed on a rock somewhere. Mm. So how do they know the language and come to the conclusion of how to teach that? So I guess the first point we need to remember is Darug... Nora, Darug country, was the first colonised. Um, so we are one of the most studied Indigenous peoples of the world simply because when Captain Arthur Philip arrived in Botany Bay and subsequent peoples studied us as part of that colonisation, um, it was documented in journals. And so we have William Dawes to thank for that. Um, phonetically not always correct, um, but we have some documented language from there between that and some additional more recent resources and um, journals and other artifacts. We do have more documentation and our trailblazers have been working with linguists to reconfirm some of that information and validate it. So, so is there anyone around now that can speak fluent Darug? Darug Dalam? Yeah. No, not at the moment. Um, we have some very confident, very capable speakers, but in terms of being able to hold conversation for five minutes, um, no, not yet. Yeah, right. And, and the emphasis is on yet, you know, that the one thing I think that this latest cancellation has highlighted for me is the number of people in our community who have rallied around the importance of language. And I think it's highlighted also the gaps for people off country and having access to learning traditional Indigenous languages. Um, it, it's, it's a right, you know, when we talk about Indigenous languages, they're our past, they're our present, they're our future. It's the language of our ancestors, of our country. And it relates to the spirit and strength of ourself, of our community, of that country that I mentioned again, it's, 
It's really the glue. So, so you don't have any um, direct people? Uh, there actually are, like, confirmed... No, I don't know you that know, information. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, out of that, how many would know direct words as well? Like... Yeah, so um, just a brief conversation uh, with one of my German this morning, one of my sisters. Um, the majority of our mob have actually taken at least a, a class or um, engaged in the online learning or the in-person learning or on-country learning through the language camps, uh, which, is, which is pretty special. Yeah, so it's a pretty high mm. rate of people wanting to learn. Absolutely. And keep, keep that alive, obviously. And not just Darug people, but also allies, people who are in um, schools in our area. So you, you, and when I say our area, as in Darug Nora, Darug yeah. country. So Darug is one language. So how many languages, indigenous languages, are there in Australia? Like roughly how many is there? Do you know? Oh, 260 plus, you know. Like every mob that... So there's 260 different... Plus. Lang- plus, plus right? languages. Well, you think of... All the mobs that are depicted on the IATSIS map, Tinsdale's map, yeah. every single one of them had their own dialect or language. So how, how do you... And that map's not even correct, right? It's the most correct we've got. So how do you think... Do you think you can keep all of those languages alive or some have already completely gone, do you think? Like... I'm not a complete expert in no, this no. area. I'm really early in my learning journey um, on the topic of languages. Because I'm, I'm gathering a few of them have probably almost extinct, like yeah, completely. I, unfortunately, I, I'm making the assumption that that might be the case. Yeah. Um, which is the other reason that we don't we don't but, want to be. But part I'm thinking, yeah. But I'm thinking like the more rural and remote, probably have the stronger language still yeah there there is some certain areas um in our nation that we call australia um that very much still have fluent speakers or or more fluent speakers because i've noticed um just some torres strait people that are quite fluent and they can speak between each other Mm. really well but so there's there's a few different things here. First, each mob has their own um, language, but over time there's also been um, some Aboriginal English slang as well. So there's there's like some generic words yeah. that no matter which mob you're from, you will understand. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of them, but they're not probably nice words <laughs> but, but i know a few of them we all remember the naughty words yeah. right um but yeah no and it was you know that's really obvious when i was teaching in a um, first nation school of excellence that no matter what mob the the gurung the children came from there was always a level of understanding you know when when that those slang words were used yeah um you know and then there's there's also variations of that. 
where they're similar. Yeah, no, they, I, I know because I've worked with a lot of Italians. The Italians, um, they don't... Some of them don't understand each other, even though they're the same age. They live in Australia, and they have done since they were kids. But I will say something in Italian, because I've learned a fair bit of it, mm. and they'll go, I don't even know what you're saying. And then um, they'll... I'll say, oh, I, I learned that off such and such, and they know who that is, and they'll go, oh, that's Sicilian. Yeah, that that's full-blown, completely different to what we speak up north. Yeah, it's different dialects. So it's different dialects, but then sometimes I'll say stuff and they'll it intertransferable. Mm. So, and I think they've the Australian Italians have made their own sort of intertransferable language, which is really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So they've collaborated all of them and they've yeah and and speaking you know to inuit last week um they, they spoke around the fact that traditional language and how that has changed to more contemporary language now yeah to adjust with the times to still maintain the strength of their language they still keep all their words that they once had but they've also adjusted and built on them well look at look at us with english that it'll be like how are you today mm. whereas we, we go hey now mate yeah good mate yeah that's all good yeah and and in darug dalang it's nini budjui yeah you good yeah so the Inuit that I work with speak a Nuktatuk, which is their traditional language. And, you know, we were talking with the Inuit employees around creating a word bank because yeah. they recognise that, you know, it, it really is the glue of the culture. It unlocks so many secrets to your history, to the people, um, that it can be a vehicle for change, right? Yeah. And so we're talking about the impact of language and then also how do we engage people who are not from the area, so allies, to understand the importance of language but also engage with some really simple words. And we're talking about how digagora or thanks is what we use now for thanks, but it really means enough. Yeah. And, and how there's a same um, concept in their language. And even down to the fact that, you know, the spelling or sound pronunciations are the either single written form of a vowel or vowel sounds to the double. So yeah. when we double I, it's a real E sound, you know, um, and, and that's similar for their language. Yeah, okay. So there's some real um, similarities, I guess, amongst a lot of different Indigenous languages, but there's some real differences too. But at the heart of it, you know, why is language important to people? Well, for me, it's, it's more than just knowing words. It's around connection to our own family our own culture. Yeah, it's your history. Our identity. It's our history, right? Yeah. And it makes me feel stronger using the language of my country, of my people, of my ancestors, of my bloodlines. And so it's that element of reconnecting. But also, when we come together to use that tongue 
our Dalan, you can see there's a real energy amongst community in doing so. Yeah. It's an entry point for some people on their cultural journeys that they may never have had access to. Yeah, I, um, when we were on that cultural, oh, not cultural, the um, language, language camp. camp, there was a guy there who, believe it or not, <laughs> used to live down the road from where we live. Shout out to, to Bubbana Mike. He's doing the course with me. Yeah, no, it was weird because um, I I said, well, what's brought you here? And he's, he didn't really know why he was there in a way. He just knew he had to be there. Mm. Um, and he was not going to stay very long. I think he had something to do. And so he said, oh, I'll just you know come out for the day. And then he stayed the night. And then he was there the next day, and he stayed on the next day. How awesome, hey? Yeah, because he felt a connection yeah. and felt like he had to be there. Mm. And he was a um, really nice person, yeah, like just genuine nice. and wanted to be there and find his purpose, I suppose, again. Place. And place. and, yeah. Yeah. So his it was quite good. connection to our mob. Yeah. You know, and... And this is, I guess, why I'm so disheartened at TAFE, um, New South Wales, South Region's decision to um, cancel our course is because I don't know if they necessarily understand. It's not a piece of paper to us. It's not an accreditation or a qualification. That's a Western metric. Yeah. It's so much more being able to speak our our language out the lung gives us health and well-being it's it's an avenue that really does reinforce cultural identity that sense of pride and you know recognition that we we exist we still exist we were um preserving our history through the language that's that vehicle for change yeah but it's like me doing it my, my trade like mm. nothing i've got is written down no. But the tools and the information I have in my head are astounding. And I can do a lot of things a lot of people can't do. But the problem's going to be, I don't have any apprentices or anything like that, people that are going to take over from me. No. So the day that I give the trade away and, you know, whatever happens to me, um, that's lost and there's a lot of information in my Absolutely. head. Absolutely. Expertise it, that is just yeah, stopped. It's gone. Yeah. And um, it's not a historical thing in a sense, but it's a, it's a trade. You know, I could probably teach a it's couple of hundred, a couple of thousand people. And, it's, it's oh, yeah, it's, go, it's gone. It's, it's understanding. It's knowledge because I've learned from a lot of different people, a lot of old guys that passed the knowledge on back in the day when, you know, we didn't really, we weren't pushed heavily like 10 hour days we've got to get this done mm. it was more no let's show the young kids how to do it so we can relax and the young kids can take over yeah. we don't do that anymore that's passing a legacy right? yeah no there's no legacy in the trade anymore it's just like get it done i don't have a time to teach people yeah. and it costs me money to teach people mm. and everything's so expensive now that it just gets lost but we're really lucky in in our community at 
there are a number of trail blazers, our Dara Iora, our, our Mujan, our family, who are committed to this, who want to see that legacy passed on to the next generation. Um, imagine the gift that we can give our children being able to be fluent in their language. Now, that's let's be realistic. That's not going to happen. It takes more than one generation to repair the damage done by colonisation. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think there's too much damage being done, to be honest. Like, I just... To get that language... You don't think there's been too much damage no, done? No, I said, I said there's been too much... Oh. Da- I think I said... I don't know what I said now. But anyway, if I stuff that up, I meant to say there's been too much damage done. I just don't see how the language can ever fully repair itself. I, I just... It's I, not about repairing itself. It's about reawakening. It hasn't been lost. It's it's there. It's We're fortunate it's been documented as well. Like, that's, that's a pretty big... Um, coup for us yeah although done in inappropriate or wrong ways with the best intentions but regardless we have something to draw upon we have something for our linguists to utilize yeah now it's about creating community speakers to grow the number of people who who will become fluent like i have never seen so many more committed to doing something so passionately and that's that notion of well you don't know what you've lost until it's gone right and thankfully we we still have some incredible trailblazers that are volunteering their time and effort through no payment to keep this going yeah what's your thoughts but and i'm not being rude or disrespectful but do do you think there should be one dominant indigenous language that we should all try and learn do do you think that's more achievable i mean i know you're trying to resurrect the direct along but i mean maybe if there was one dominant indigenous language and whose purpose does that i I, I don't know i don't know what's purpose it serves well like maori language is is there like different languages in the maori language i don't know so basically although there's different tribes they spoke the same or similar language yeah so that's easy so it's an easy adoption yeah and our our new zealand um brothers and sisters uh have made some significant headway into reawakening, revitalizing their language, right? But we're a different situation. We have many mops. Yes, I'm saying it's very complex. I don't see why it's not achievable to be able to learn the language of the country you're on. And, you know, the United Nations Declaration for the Rights of Indigenous Peoples outlines that we have the right to preserve, develop, and use our Indigenous languages of our areas. Now, if you're in Sydney, in on Daruk country, then learn the language of the Daruk people. If you're in Mianjin, well, maybe in that's Brisbane. Yeah. Then you need to learn the language of the Yugurupul people, the Yagara people, 
the Yugambeh, the Turrbal, whatever country you're wrong. Yeah, but maybe that needs to be adopted. And I think we spoke really briefly about it. it. Needs to be adopted into the school system. Totally. So where the catchment area you go to is the language. Yeah, and right. here's the problem we got right. So the systemic barriers that exist for that to occur. Yeah. So, for example. If you wanted to do a Masters of Indigenous Languages Education, the mile course, you have to be a teacher. Why? So that's that's the rules in that situation. Now, for some of us, becoming a teacher is not a reality. Okay? Some of our community members that's three, four years of their life that they're not going to get back, nor do they have an interest in that. And why should we wait three, four years for that to be accessible? Yeah, but it, if I'm thinking simplistic here, why just not put a teacher with them? Oh, that's additional resources that the departments, the systems in Australia definitely would we, not we could t- We could give them to... a wage, like a you know, for their time, which is like a teacher aid, whatever the wage is, then the teacher draw the information from the elder or whoever knows the language and then put it into a format that we can learn. But is that not too simplistic? I don't know. Like, oh, look, I think everything is achievable if people are committed. The reality is um, I feel this is the world according to Tammy, Um, that there are too many systemic challenges, hurdles, things in place to really go beyond the words of commitment. So we say that we support UNDRIP. We say that we are going to support the reawakening and the revitalization of languages. But in order to do that, you've got to do X, Y, Z to be eligible for grants. Or you've got to do X, Y, Z in order to be able to teach. Yeah. That's not support. That's conditional support. And so this is where I think we need to go back to and go, how do we create communities of speakers by empowering the communities to do it through their law, their protocols, their ways, the right ways? Now, what that means is that we have to be self-determining to control that because I personally don't see where the avenue is at the moment to go through a vocational system, for example, who wants to cancel that course mid-course. And the reason they've given is just BS. Let's call it for what it is. And it's changing narrative. And this, you know, comes back to the... The whole notion of truth-telling that we've fought for so many years. Now, with all that said and done, two things are important. Languages is our right. It relates to our health, our well-being, you know. The second thing is it strengthens communities. Yeah. And I actually think, through this cancellation that's happened on us, that our community is going to be far stronger for it. 
We've seen it already. But we also need help to be able to translate our ideas, our resources, our skills, our capabilities into something that we can pass down. Now, that's help through philanthropists or grants or whatever it is because clearly we're not getting the support through those institutions that want us to jump over various hurdles to make it happen. And those hurdles, they're Western hurdles. But here's a bit of a kicker. Like, instead of handing out... We've, we've had this over the last 10, 20 years. The government hands out $1,000. Just randomly every now and again, oh, let's boost the economy. Give you 1000 bucks. Here you yeah. go, mate. What if you encouraged people to do a language course and gave them $500 of government money to do that. So then it might just encourage the average person to go, well, 500 bucks. Mm. I've only got to do four weeks of language. Oh, I might have a go at that. I mean, not not all of them are going to stay on, but yeah. then we start to flood that environment with a lot more people and, a, and you know, hopefully we retain... 20, that's, 30%. A, that's a great idea in the future. Yeah. But we've got to go back a step and go, well, how do we build the community of speakers? Well, we're not getting any help through the vocational system at the moment. Yeah. Um, what's our other avenue? Everybody's got to put in the for the love again. They're not being you know, reciprocated for their time and the effort and the expertise of these knowledge holders of the trailblazers. Well... That means then that we can't get to that point where you're saying. Yeah. You know, even with the TAFE New South Wales course, right, that we're talking about, and I, I must clarify, this is one region of TAFE New South Wales. We really hope that there's another region that will take on board our, our course, right? But as a whole, I think we need to look at that system too because... For those mob who are living off country, they don't reside in New South Wales, they're not eligible to do the TAFE New South Wales course. Yeah. Why should anyone have power to decide over who can and can't learn their traditional language? Yeah, but again, we've got to go back to clean up all the mess first before Mm. we can go forward, so we're not... Language aside, we haven't cleaned the mess up from before, so then it's... Through colonisation Yeah, it's it's hard to go forward now, isn't it? Yeah, and I think also that this requires allies and people who are on their cultural journey learning to really take their suits of armour off and be vulnerable and, and listen to what the needs are of different communities. And we're one community. There's many more, I'm sure, that are are walking down a similar path. We're lucky that we've got some trailblazers and knowledge holders who are putting in their own valuable time to learn and understand this. But that's also on top of their day jobs. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a lot of responsibility to hold themselves. And I don't think it's... 
fair to try and build the support networks around them whilst also building the community of speakers. It shouldn't just be left up to us all the time as Indigenous people to do this for the love. You know, if, if Australian government, for example, is fully committed to signing UNDRIP, which they did, that's that United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, they're willing to put their name on it, put some action behind the words. These reconciliation plans that highlight the fact that they want to support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the country where their organisations operate, if they're willing to write that in words, back it up with some actions. I know a community that would love some extra dollars to be able to pay their um, knowledge keepers and their trailblazers to build their community of speakers, to run some courses, to be able to create some educational resources, for example, for our Darugmong, our Gurung, our children, so that there's less energy required each generation to, to grow and build that language. We have some good solid foundation with good solid resources to support that de continued development. Yeah, but I, I, I think you know what's gonna happen, but I think there's a war coming. Like I, we've got this voice mm. issue hanging over Australia's head. I'm sorry, everything I'm reading is it? It's going to go pear shaped mm. now. A lot of people, Indigenous people, don't even agree with it anyway. So I fear there's a war coming, and you're going to go even further backwards before you go forward. I th I think it's going to be an interesting time for us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, regardless on where you stand, whether you support the voice or not, I think what's disgusting is the amount of money that has been put behind that and how that could have been utilised in other areas. You know, we're talking about the voice right now and giving Aboriginal mobs, people, Iora, the power to have a voice, well, our voices are telling you right now that in our Darug Nora, our Darug country, our people want to support this. That's what we need. We're putting our hand up. We're saying, hey, we need some help. Yeah. So what happens next? Let's just say the voice has been enacted. And what happens next? Well, I don't know because I don't even know Do what we the just voice get is. heard? You know, like... What happens next? It's just a consultative body. Great. But, you know, we don't know what the future holds around that and what that process may look like. But right now, we're at a pivotal point as are many mob around Australia, around the world actually, because I, I know a German over um, in Canada, a Métis woman, um, who has just completed a university course on her own traditional Indigenous language. So how did she do that? Like Canada is so far ahead of us as well. Do they have as many languages as what we've got? Like, yes, they, oh, do. they do. Yep. Not quite as many, yeah. but quite a bit more than um, New Zealand, for yeah. example, Aotearoa. 
But, you know, like, as I understand it, there's only one or two in Indigenous university courses. Yeah. Well, we've got numerous teachers qualified by Western Standard teachers in our mob who are happily learning the language. So we've got the opportunity in our future to be able to do that. Yeah, of course, yeah. But we can't get past that first hurdle to be able to build the momentum towards those goals. Yeah. We, we can't get accredited from a vocational point of view now because someone said, no, we're going to put a stop to that. Yeah. You know? Um, so we're exploring lots of options. But, you know, if we want to bring this back to the classroom and teachers uh, and what they can do in schools, well... You know what? You can, just like I am with my um, Inuit for my work, creating an Anuktatuk word bank. You know, I know the words for hello and welcome, which are the same, like they are for for my mob, me. I know thank you. I know good. I know yes, no. Listen, speak quiet. You know, what are the the words that you could very easily integrate into your classroom. Yeah, it's just a matter of the the teacher teaching and the one or two words, I suppose, and then, you know, when they need to answer a question, they put their hand up and the teacher goes, in that language, yes. Mm, yeah. No. Yeah. Piss off, put your hand down. Like, stuff like that. <laughs> Probably not that. Yeah. But... Yeah, no, and, you know, even integrating through um, the curriculum. So counting, right, for numeracy and developing number sense. In, in our language, we count wago, bulla, bulla wago, bulla bulla damara. So yeah. one, two, three, four, five. Now, when we create three... We actually say the words of one and two. Yeah. When we count four, it's two, two. Two plus two. So learning maths at the same time. Correct. So there's ways you can do that. You can do the body parts and integrate that um, into every element of your classroom. You know, in the way that we teach and the way that we learn, use gestures. That's just the way we do things. And that's something that I'm learning. It's not just us as Darugiura. How, so- how many songs I could recite when it comes on the radio? Oh, I could I could sing thousands of songs. Nearly word for word. Yeah. Because it's ingrained in my brain from just the the actual rhythm and the sound. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's lots of resources out there that can support uh, teachers to be able to do that at a really basic level. Yeah. Take the step. Step in the right direction and go to your local mob um, through your traditional owners and say, who do I need to speak to that's the knowledge holder for your language? Uh, For us, we have a Facebook group 
um, that is dedicated to Darug Dalung. But you didn't have that 10,000 years ago. Well, maybe we did. It just looked not different, well. you know, <laughs> through, not through technology, yeah, right? Maybe. But even at the State Library of Queensland on their website, they have various, very simple commands and very simple words for a lot of Queensland-based mobs. You've yeah. got the 50 Words Project as well. Um through the University of Melbourne, I believe. Yep. So there's lots of resources out there. If you're an educator, think about, you know, how often you say one, two, three, or three, two, one, if you're counting down to your students in your class to, to stop, get ready, or some people go one, two, three, listen to me. Substitute that. Find the language that replicates that for yeah. your local Indigenous people. Yep, for sure. You know, then add in your greetings. And if you really want to sort of create some real change in your community, I know I did this when I was um, at a state school in Queensland, create some language posters so that you can grow the language of speakers in your schools. But with all of this, you've got to make sure you, f you follow your local mobs, protocols around that. Get the cultural permissions. Ask and advise and run things via your elders in your community. If you approach them and go, hey, we want to do this the right ways, how do we do it? They're going to be really receptive. But don't just do it by yourself. Yeah. Because that's not the right ways. That's appropriation. Yeah. You know, Indigenous languages are a right of Indigenous people. Fair enough. Um, I suppose we better wrap this up because we're getting on over 40 minutes. But mm -hmm. um, you got anything else to say or you want to say this week? I guess um, a big shout out to my Darugiora. Um, we've still continued on our language course to show our strength and... The rebels. Yes, unite as a community. I am so proud of us. I'm so proud of our wonderful trailblazers and knowledge holders for all the effort um, they have put in so far and continue to do to make sure that we as Darug people have the opportunity to learn our language. And please know that your efforts, your time is not lost. It is appreciated. And I know our children are richer for having the opportunity to do so. Yeah, um, of course. And I know many other families, many other um, Mujin are exactly the same. And I know as I'm sort of, you know, walking around from day to day, I'll start seeing things now and I see them in language. I don't see them by English name as much anymore. So I know that my own brain is starting to decolonize in terms of language. Yeah. Um, you know, our daughter bumped her head this morning and I said to her, Wiri Gabara. And she looked at me and she processed. I said, Wiri, bad, sore, you know. Yeah. And, and Gabara, head. And she smiled. There was like this inner light. And, you know, I'm still very early in my journey, as are many others. But I guess if you're committed to that, then it's purposeful, it's intentional, and it's worthwhile. And... If there are any corporates out there who want to support our 
development of that or philanthropists or know people who know people um, through an educational institution to support our continued growth and let us know, a reach out. I bet, I bet you I knew what she said back to you. What? I bet she said, you're Womba. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Um, See, I know words. You do know some words. Couple. Womba, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, we better wrap it up. Thanks for your time, Tam. And, um, yeah, everyone have a great week and we'll catch you next week. Dijagora, Yanma Budjuri Gumara. Walk with good spirit, Yano. Another word, Yano.